Limitless love for August the 20th. Keep on serving. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Matthew 20, 27, 28. Have you ever found yourself irritated with someone who didn't appreciate your kindness to them? Have you ever caught yourself saying, I just can't believe they treated me so badly after all I'd done for them. They owe me more than that. The next time you're tempted to take that attitude, remember this. The moment you step into the martyr mentality, you are stepping out of love. You are using the good things you did for that person as a kind of emotional manipulation. Instead of being content simply but to bless them, you are demanding something in return. Doesn't everyone do that, someone might say? Jesus didn't. When he came to the earth, he didn't come here trying to talk people into believing in him so that he could get something from them. He came totally, absolutely, unreservedly to give himself so that whosoever would believe on him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. He sacrificed himself in love for the world even though there was no guarantee that anyone would receive him. And the fact is, most people didn't. When he went to the cross, no one appreciated or understood what he was doing. It was a mystery hidden in God. People laughed at him and scorned him, but he didn't take offense. He didn't say, Can you believe this? I'm pouring out my blood for them, and they don't even appreciate it. No, he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Even after he was raised from the dead, the majority of his followers didn't receive him. The Bible says he appeared to about 500 people after he was raised from the dead. 1 Corinthians 15, 6, he told all of them, You go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Yet only 120 were in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. You'd think every one of them would have been there after seeing him raised from the dead. Clearly, even though they saw with their own eyes what he had done for them, they didn't respond as they should have. But Jesus never let people's ingratitude affect him. We have no record that he ever mentioned it. He just kept on doing what the love of God within him compelled him to do. He kept on giving, serving, and pouring out his life. As his disciples, that's what we'll do too. Amen. Amen. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Matthew 20, 27, and 28, New American Standard. 
Well, what the Holy Spirit is telling me, two things on that verse, myself. Jesus came to be first among us and to be a ransom for many. So our actions, as we do serve others, will be a witness to the ransom for that many, for our generation. How many times have we not been influenced by the actions of somebody's kindness? It activates the DNA in us and the RNA goes to work. We duplicate. Just a thought. Another thought that came to me is the authority of the keys of the kingdom. Jesus came to be the ransom so he can get that authority and he did get the authority and the kings of the kingdom back from Satan. He was victorious in cutting them down and rolling coals of boulders over them and taking those keys away from them. He's a victorious warrior. And he did it for us. He handed us the keys and the authority of the kingdom. Amen. Those two thoughts, because ransom, he, he had a, when you go pay and pay your car off, it's kind of like a ransom, right? They have authority over your car. So somebody had authority over human humans and Jesus' actions and his ransom paved the way. Thank you, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. As I was reading this too, I was thinking about my brother, how there was a, a guy that's holding with, we, we went to go eat at a restaurant and the gentleman was uh, half a shirt, all dark, like a wild man, like the man that was cutting himself with Jesus, not in his right mind, not fully clothed. And I had a few dollars that I wanted to leave in the restaurant, and my brother says, no, I got it. He goes, I'll pay the tip, 18%, he's telling me. <laughs> and we had a really good, one of the best lunches I have had with my brother. As he got injured at his work, so I had to take him to a store to get him groceries. And I was on the other side of the Los Angeles in Anaheim when he called me. He goes, hey, brother, I got to go to the store. I'll be right there, brother. So it took me about 40 minutes to finish my work and run over there. But I was glad to do it. And then he, he treated me to dinner. But as the transit was passing, he asked, hey, you got any dollars? He was like, you got any dollars for him? I go, yeah, I got those dollars that I didn't. So I gave him about four bucks. And I said, God bless you. And very clearly the transit said, while we were in our car pulling out of the he was passing by, holding up his shorts, mind you, so they won't fall down. I don't know if he had shoes on, but he really looked burnt. And But when, the, when he said, thank you, I said, what a clear understanding, thank you. Like, like there was an educated person in there. And then as we drove away, I told my brother, you know, when I work with those guys, it's amazing how much resent, how much intelligence they have until 
they come to resent the part of resentment when they're mad at somebody. I've seen it. And then that's when the nuts comes in. So as we turned over and then we went and we had to fight a little traffic and got to make a left at the stop sign to make a left turn at the light. Here he comes again. And my brother very wisely says, oh, here he comes back, Fernando, because he's crossing the street. He says, here he comes back again to ask you for more dollars, kind of jokingly. So I started praying for the man. I said, the blood of Jesus, the Lord rebuke Satan, let him go, the blood of Jesus. And I kept praying for him as he walked by. And then I told my brother, for 40 years, I've been trying to cast out devils out of people like that. And he tells me, wow, why can't that devil leave me? <laughs> he tells me. You know, he, I don't know. He probably, the Lord did show me that he's born again. The reason I'm telling you, I'm asking you to pray for him. His name is Jesse. He's a, 10, 10 months or 11, 10 months and 11 days older than me. Something like that. He was born in January. I was born in November of the same year. So we look like twins. When I speak and record this and when I listen to it, I, I hear my brother's voice. Okay, moving right along here. We're going to read uh, August 21st. Limitless love designed by love. Hebrews 9, 19 to 20 says, For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of cows and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God has enjoined unto you. Amen. For when Moses had spoken every precept of all the people according to the law, he read the book to them, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water, that interesting, with water, and scarlet wool and hyssop, kind of like a mop was made, and sprinkled both the book and all the people saying, this is the blood of the new, of the testament, excuse me, which God has enjoined unto you. An interesting word, enjoined. Awesome. May we be enjoyed, Heavenly Father, we be enjoyed with the blood of the Lamb and with the water, hallelujah, the wonderful water, that we be enjoined and with your word, Lord, the law. Will be enjoined in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. We be enjoined with Jesus Christ as one that we may duplicate and be the RNAs of Jesus here on this earth. Amen and amen. Sometimes people read the Old Testament and miss the amazing demonstration of God's love that's revealed there. They look at the Mosaic law and the animal sacrifices it required and say in ignorance, what kind of God sets up a system like that? A God who loves people, even though mankind has yielded to the devil and become a fallen race. God loved the people of that day, even though they were spiritually dead and had no way to be regenerated. 
God still wanted to meet their needs. He was so consumed with love for them that even knowing they could not truly love him in return, he wanted to make a covenant with them so he could bless them. Their problem was they couldn't keep their end of the covenant. They were so spiritually degenerate, they break it before bedtime the first day. And he knew it. The penalty for a broken covenant was death, and he wanted to help them, not hurt them. He had to find another way. So he brought in the old covenant priesthood. He appointed a certain group of people to represent him, and in essence said, Listen, my covenant brothers and sisters, I know you're going to mess things up. I know you're going to break our agreement and sin. So when you do, instead of killing you for it, we're going to kill an animal instead. We're going to let that animal be your substitute. That way I'll be able to satisfy the demons of justice without hurting you. We can stay in covenant with each other and I can bless you in spite of your sin. God didn't do that because he was insensitive to the death of the animal. If God had his way, there wouldn't ever have been any death in the earth at all. Adam is the one who opened the door to it. Once sin and death were in the earth, something had to be done to shelter man from the curse of it. That's why God instituted the Old Testament laws and priesthood to protect the people he loved from the full effects of their own sin and to establish a covenant of blessing with them in spite of their fallen condition. It was a temporary solution, only a type and shadow of the wonderful priesthood of our Lord Jesus Christ, who would come and pay the penalty for sin and cleanse us from it forever. Even so, it was clearly devised by the biggest heart of compassion ever known. It was designed by the God of love. Amazing, folks. This is truly amazing. This certainly makes a lot of sense to me now. I see grace and mercy written all over the atmosphere. That We, we have grace and mercy through photosynthesis. When we, I say, Father... Help me, forgive me. Beautiful, beautiful, wonderful world. Okay, August 22nd, The Perfect Picture of Love by Kenny Copeland. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandment is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment, Matthew 12, 28 and 30. Interesting, in what we read right now, it just makes so much sense that through the blood and the water and the covenant, and the sacrifice God has made us one with him. And Jesus answered him, The first of all, the commandment is, Hear, hear O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And because he's one in the things he's, con- 
He has been doing through the sacrifice of the animals and the sacrifice they've done in Jesus Christ through the foundations of the earth, that it is available. Follow me right here. People that were born again and were slated, destined to be in the kingdom of God had already accepted the sacrifices of the priesthoods. And then when they came into Jesus, it was just an easy, their actions and their hearts and everything signify that the blood of the covenant and the water, the wonderful water and the word of God were all in place. And then now they, in their RNA, in their, we have the love of God that we can do this. Now we can love the Lord thy God with all our hearts and with all our souls and with all our minds and with all our strength. This is the first commandment. In other words, let our actions and our choices and our praises come one with God and be perfect as he is perfect, one with him. Amen. The greatest picture of covenant love ever seen on the earth was the relationship between the Lord Jesus and his heavenly father. They loved each other with an absolute unwavering love. The father exalted Jesus and said, This is my beloved son. Hear you him. Matthew 17, 5. Jesus exalted the father and said, I do nothing of myself, but as my father has taught me, I speak these things. John 8, 28. Through love, they were in perfect union with each other. Sometimes we take that for granted because we focus on the fact that Jesus was the Son of God. But he was also the Son of Man. Jesus was as much flesh and blood during his earthly life as you and I. He got tired, hungry, and thirsty just like other men. He experienced pressure and temptation. Yet Jesus always obeyed the Father. He didn't sin one time. He didn't break his covenant with God once. Why? Because he was so in love with his Father that he couldn't bear to break their union. He was so committed to the Father and the Father to him that as they walked together, they couldn't tell where one stopped and the other started. They were fused together by love. That's why Jesus agonized so greatly in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's why he sweat drops of blood. He wasn't upset over the physical pain and death he would experience on the cross. He was grieving over the thought of being separated from his father. It caused him so much sorrow, the very prospect of it almost killed him. Actually, it was the love Jesus had for the father, the same love that produced the life and union they had together which demand that union be broken. It was love that drove him to the cross to pour out his life's blood. It was love that compelled him to take into his pure, sinless spirit all the horror of fallen mankind. It was love that took him into hell to suffer the penalty for our sins. Jesus loved the Father so much that he wanted to give back to him the world God so dearly loved. The Father loved Jesus so much that once redemption had been accomplished, 
He gave him the name that is above every name and crowned him Lord of all. That is true covenant love. Amen and amen. All right, August 23rd, Limitless Love. In you I see Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 14 and 16 says, For the love of Christ constrains us, because we does judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth, Know we, no man after the flesh. Second Corinthians chapter 5, 14 and 16. In the Passion Translation, it reads, For it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and holds us tightly. Because we are convinced that he has given his life for us, all of us. This means all died with him. So that those who live should no longer live self-absorbed lives, but lives that are poured out for him, the one who died for us and now lives again. So from now on, we refuse to evaluate people merely by their outward appearances. For that's how we once viewed the anointed one. But no longer do we see him with limited human insight. From man's point of view, Christ was a blasphemer and false teacher. Yet when we see him from the eyes of faith, we view him as pure and holy one, God's son. That was the footnote there. Wow. Let me read it in the New Living Translation, see if we get a different perspective on that. As we dive into the word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for us, for us all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. Amen. So that, to me, is that I judge others with the Christ in them. The RNA of the sacrifice of the blood, the death on the cross. And they're moving and talking, and it's God's miracle in man that they died. The old self has died. I am seeing the new self on the new Christians around me. New, happy, joyous self pouring out living rivers, rivers of living water from them, of joy and laughter. That is God's miracle power that has created a new, new man. Amen. Now, Kenny Copeland goes on to say, The command to love your neighbor as you love yourself is a wonderful command. It's more than most people even try to do. 
But as members of the body of Christ, we have an even higher call. We're called to live for Jesus by living for each other. We're called to love our brothers and sisters in the Lord, just like we love the Lord himself. Brother Copeland, you might say, surely you aren't telling me I ought to treat you like I treated Jesus. Yes, I am, and I ought to be treating you the same way. After all, we are one body. We are one spirit with him. The Bible says, when one suffers, we all suffer. When one is honored, we are all honored. We're joined together in a supernatural union. Think about it for a moment. Jesus is in me, and I am in Jesus. Jesus is in you, and you are in him. That must mean we're all mixed up together. I can't separate you from Jesus. I can't treat him one way and treat you another because whatever I do to you, I'm doing to him. And whatever you do to me, you're doing to him. When we understand that, we'll we'll be like the Apostle Paul and stop looking at each other after the flesh. We'll stop thinking that just because we live in different packages of skin, We're separated from each other. We'll realize that we are truly one in Jesus. We are each part of him. That means when I see you, I see Jesus. So I ought to love you as if you are Jesus. I ought to care for you with the agape kind of love that's only interested in what I can do for you, not in what you can do for me. After all, if I am going to treat you like Jesus... I'm going to treat you like you already done everything for me that you could possibly do. I I am going to treat you like you died for me. I am going to treat you as if you're the reason I'm going to heaven. I'll be looking for ways to bless you. I'll be searching for opportunities to care for you. Nothing you do will affect my love for you. Natural facts won't have any bearing on it. I won't care about your skin color. I won't care about your denomination background. When I look at you, I'll see Jesus. I'll see the one who loved me and gave himself for me. When I look at you, I see the one I love.